all of us at some point answer the question, what do I want to be when I grow up? Maybe you had to answer that question uh, like in grade school, doing a little, you know, little fun art project or something. Uh, you know, maybe that was, you had to answer that question when you uh, signed up for a college class and they said, okay, what's your major going to be? And you're like, oh, I've been dreading this day. What am I going to be? And you have to make that decision. Or maybe you felt like you made that decision when you finally, you know, accepted a job offer and said, well, I guess this is, I did it. This is what I, I'm going to be. But we also answer those questions with all kinds of other answers, like how we choose to, you know, where we choose to live, how we choose to parent, whether or not we get married. There's all kinds of ways we try to figure that out. And Christianity calls the quest for that answer calling. What is it that God has called us to do? What is it that he has for us? Calling is this divine purpose from God for our lives. But a lot of the times when we think about that approach to answering this question, sort of uh, some of the ideas or words that get used is things like discovering, you know, discovering your purpose. Or sometimes it feels a lot like you've got to invent your purpose. You know, like you're out there, you're trying to find it, you're trying to figure it out, you're trying to create it piece by piece. And this, you know, great story of trying to discover our calling, figure out our calling, there's a lot we can learn about it. But in particular, I would just want to look at, you know, one, one story in the book of Genesis that has a lot to say about calling and how it works and how God gives it to us. And so we're just going to kind of look at the highlights of the story of Abraham and Sarah and how God called them. Because I think if we, if we just look and observe some of the things about their story, it'll have a lot to say to us about how God calls us and gives us a purpose. So I'm just going to read some of the highlights from Genesis chapters 12 and 15. Now, as we read these stories, um, you'll notice that your Bible is going to call them Abram and Sarai. And later into the, into the book of Genesis, at, towards the end of their story, God changes their names to Abraham and Sarah. So as I preach, I'm just going to call them Abraham and Sarah, just, you know, to clear up any confusion. But, but the story in the, in the Bible is going to call them Abram and Sarai. So Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, goes like this. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from, from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, don't think, don't think you're too old for this sermon. Don't think, well, you know, I've been in my career for 20 years, or I'm retired, so I guess it's too late. Nope, it's not too late for you. Abraham was 75 years old, 75 years old when, when God gave him this calling. Then if we jump to chapter 15, we read this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, 
Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So God makes this huge promise to Abraham and Sarah. He says, I'm going to make a nation out of you, and you're going to be a blessing to all the nations. But of course, you know, the story tells us, well, there's a little bit of a problem, because to be a great nation, you at least need two things. You need a lot of descendants, and you need land. Can't really have a country without some land, and you need some people. And Abraham and Sarah don't have those things. And so God promises to provide what they're going to need. He says, okay, don't worry, Abraham. One day you will have your own son who can carry on your line, carry on this blessing, and I brought you into this land because it's going to be your land. And God goes on to give Abraham a little bit of a prophetic history lesson and explain to him that, you know, eventually you're going to have all these people, you're not going to get to live to see it, and they're going to go to Egypt and they're going to be in captivity for a while, and then they'll come back and then I'll give them this land. So Abraham doesn't really get to see all the descendants, and he doesn't even get to live to see this land that God is showing him become his own land. He's just sort of in the beginning stages of this. And so I want to kind of reframe how we talk about calling. Because a lot of times, sort of the word or the languages that we use, like I said a few minutes ago, it's sort of, you know, it's discovering your calling, it's Sometimes it can even feel like you've got to figure it out or you've kind of got to create it or invent it. And it can feel like a lot of pressure. Uh, You know, sometimes, um, you know, if you read books on calling or or anything like that, you'll find that, you know, you should take some spiritual gift tests or some personality assessments. And, you know, we should do some reports and some work and some hard thinking and, and try to figure that out. Or we need to pray a whole lot. And those things are good. Those things can be helpful. But I find what's so interesting about Abraham's story is it just begins with God shows up and God tells Abraham what to do. And there's still a sense of adventure that that Abraham and Sarah have to go on. But I kind of want to switch words for how we talk about calling from sort of maybe discovering your calling or inventing your calling to receiving your calling. Because God just shows up and just, here you go, Abraham, here's the plan. Here's what I need you to do. Here's step one. When we get there, I'll tell you stuff too. We're not quite there yet. And so God simply shows up. And by saying that, I don't mean that, you know, coming up with a vision statement or coming up with a mission or coming up with a plan or having this fly buzzing around bothering me, you know. (laughs) Not that those are, you know, things we shouldn't do. They're good things, right? But what I'm saying is sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to figure out what on earth am I supposed to do? And we feel like, man, I've got to do this big, really great, world-changing thing for God. Where do I even begin? How do I even figure out what I'm supposed to do? And what we notice about Abraham is God just tells him. And so instead of trying to, you know, sort of put all the pressure on us to try to figure out what we're supposed to do, I think instead we need to be ready to receive 
our calling whenever God is ready to reveal it to us. And the way we do that is through a relationship. You know, something I just find funny, and there's, there's no, really no good answers to these questions that I have, is there's a 75-year gap in what we know about Abraham. Because the story just begins in Genesis 12, and he's 75 years old, and God just talks to him, and he just does what he's supposed to do. And it makes me wonder, like, is this the first time the Lord has ever spoken to Abraham? Did Abraham, you know, did he only worship the Lord, or did he do it like a lot of people in his day might have done, and did he worship several different gods? And the Lord just happened to be the one that talked to him. I, I don't really know a whole lot about what happened to Abraham until that, that point. But, I, you know, I just find it interesting that the Lord shows up, speaks to Abraham, and he just does it. He doesn't, so it makes me kind of think maybe he already had a relationship with God, and he wasn't like surprised that this voice showed up and told him what to do. Or, you know, Abraham's not like doubting the next day, like, was that really God? Or was it just the Taco Bell I had last night? I don't know. He just, he's sure of it. So it makes me wonder if perhaps Abraham already had some kind of a relationship with God. And then I think about that a little bit. And I think it's probably maybe good that we don't know all those details about Abraham. Because I can guarantee you if we did, there would be books, there would be conferences, there would be all kinds of things around here are the seven steps that Abraham did to find his calling, and here's how you can do that. And we would all try to do exactly whatever it is that Abraham and Sarah were doing. But maybe it's just that it comes out of the relationship that Abraham already had with the Lord. And so for all of us, perhaps, it's just we need to keep that relationship with God going so that whenever he's ready to tell us what it is he has for us, we'll hear it and we will receive it. And that relationship is going to have to continue because how will Abraham find his way to this land he's never seen before or he's never been to? You know, it's hard for us to kind of think about that because you've got to, you've got to go back before Google Maps and Google Reviews and TripAdvisor and travel agents. Abraham cannot go anywhere and look up, what, is, what, is that, what does that land look like? What are the restaurants like there? What language do the people speak? Like, none of that exists. He has no pictures, he has no frame of reference, he doesn't know what it's going to look like, and the only way he's going to get there is God will tell him how to get there. So he's going to have to, you know, like every morning, literally wake up and go, all right, God, uh, which way do we go? North, northeast, set, do we cross the river, do we go around this hill, where do we go, what do we do? When will we know when we get there? Abraham won't even know until God says, you're there. And how's he supposed to have a kid? They're pretty old. Even later, Sarah even says, uh, Abraham, uh, we can't have kids. We're just too old. How's that supposed to work? God's going to provide one. And so calling is first and foremost an invitation to be in a relationship with God. Because otherwise, you won't really know what to do. You might be guessing, or you might be working awfully hard to come up with what it is. Because God just has a way of telling you what to do. And on your own, on your own, you can, you can find a whole lot of other things to pass your time with on earth. Like, you don't need God to get a job, get a career. Like, you don't need him for that. You can do that all on your own. But to figure out what his calling is for you, you will have to have a relationship with him. Otherwise, you're not going to find it. You're going to need him. And so you might be wondering, well, what did Abraham and Sarah do to get this calling? Like, what, what was it? Were they, were they like really, really great people? But again, there's that 75-year gap. We have no idea. 
And, you know, as we, as we go through the story of Abraham and even places in the New Testament that look back on the life of Abraham, there is no verse that says, because Abraham was an incredibly successful businessman, God spoke to him. No verse like that. Uh, there's no verse that says Abraham was incredibly influential in his society. There's nothing about that. It doesn't say Abraham was a star wide receiver in high school on his football team, and so God called him. It doesn't say that. Uh, it doesn't say Abraham was a governor scholar. It doesn't say he was full of wisdom. It doesn't even say things like, well, he, he just prayed enough times, or he memorized a lot of the Bible. The Bible didn't exist, exist quite yet back then. He's, he's in it. Or it didn't say, you know, Abraham had perfect church attendance for 75 years, and God said, you know what? Good on you. I'm going to call you to do something now. None of that. The closest we get is Genesis 15, 6, which is Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. I, that, that one verse could be a whole other sermon. In fact, that one verse pretty much inspired Paul to write most of the book of Romans and the letter of Galatians. There's a lot that the New Testament has to say just about that, just that idea. What did Abraham do? God told him what to do and he believed him. He did it. But even if we look at Abraham's track record of believing God, you will find it is not perfect. So yeah, he, he has his incredible faith in God, and he gets up and, all right, we're going to move to this whole new land. We have no idea where it is. We have no idea what it's like, but God said to go, so we're going to go. But then, kind of in the middle of those travel points, uh, there's, a, there's a little story. You can read this on your own this week. It's pretty interesting. Abraham and Sarah crossed through Egypt, and Abraham thinks to himself, man, Sarah's really attractive. And Pharaoh's probably going to want to marry her. And so he's probably going to kill me. How do I get out of that? He's like, oh, I know. I'll lie and say Abraham is, or I'll lie and say Sarah is my sister. Then he won't have to kill me. And so he does that. You know what Pharaoh does? They come through his territory and he takes Sarah to be his wife into his house. And then you know what God does? Curses Pharaoh and all of his palace so that nobody will do anything or touch Sarah. Because God's like, I've got a plan. Sarah has to have Abraham's kid, not anybody else's kid. And Pharaoh's obviously really angry about that because he acted on bad information from Abraham. So Pharaoh's pretty upset. You could write a soap opera about that story. And you would think they learned their lesson, but they didn't. There are a few other situations where it's like, Abraham, what are you doing? Like Probably the one you're more familiar with is, it's been a while, still no kid. And so Sarah says, hey, Abraham, why don't you sleep with my maid? And then we'll finally have a son. And he does that. And God's like, yeah, that, that's not that's not the plan. Like, that's not how that's going to work. You could write a soap opera about that. And so I don't, I don't know what happened to Abraham. Like, I don't know if it's just he didn't connect the dots between God's promise and those specific instances in his life. I don't know if he just sort of forgot the bigger picture. I don't know if he just was so afraid he just didn't know what else to do, and so he just did something. I, I don't know. But even Abraham's record of believing God is a little spotty. And, you know, how can we blame him? I mean, we kind of do the same thing, don't we? I mean, we read verses where God calls us his children. He calls us his friends. He says, you're a royal priesthood. I've chosen you. I've selected you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a mission for you to do. And then we just sometimes don't know, well, what does that have to do with, like, picking up my kids after school? Or what does that have to do with my job or playing cornerback on the football team? Or like you just kind of, I don't, what does that mean? 
And there are probably times where maybe even we don't quite connect the dots and we don't exactly do what God was thinking we would do or hoping we would do. But the good news is, even if Abraham, who like got his way into the Bible, even if he has a spotty track record of believing and trusting in God, that's good news for us. Because if Abraham fell short and God still used him in Sarah, then surely he can use us. Because you know how much you've messed up, right? I know how much I've messed up. I know the times when I haven't done what I need to do. Because the truth is, we don't deserve our calling from God. We don't deserve it at all. But yet, in his grace, he still calls us and includes us in his mission to save the world. He doesn't think, oh man, you messed it up. Well, too bad. I'm not going to let you help anymore. It's like, no, well, let's try again. Okay, let's, let's try again. Okay, let me teach you a few things. Let's try it again. He he so badly wants us to get to be a part of his mission. He doesn't want to leave us out, and he continues to work with us. So we don't deserve that calling, but he gives it to us anyway. And then by the time Abraham finally does have Isaac, what we we figure out is uh, he's 100 years old when Isaac is born. So he's 75 when God calls him, but he's 100 when Isaac is born. So Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for God to just fulfill that one part of the promise. It took 25 years. But even then, it took Abraham 100 years of his life, 100 years for God to do what he said he was going to do. And you know what? We're really interested in quick fixes and fast solutions. Like, I mean, let's be honest. I'm sure you've seen advertisements, books, conferences, master classes, and they don't tell you, here's the, you know, here's the 57-year plan to pay off your house. It's here's so you can pay off your house in 12 months. You're like, well, that sounds awesome. I'd love to do that. Or it's never, you know, the workout videos are never, here's how to have great abs in six years. It's here's how to have great abs in seven days. And it's so easy, five-minute workouts. That's what, that's what we get. And even a lot of us, I think we can feel pressure, like you've got to have your life all figured out in your 20s or at least by 30. Okay, I'm, I'm 30. Don't quite have my life all figured out yet, right? Like I'm, I'm still following what God has for me to do. But there's a lot of pressure because I mean, you see it. You see people who in their 20s or 30s already like are making a lot of money, a lot more money than you are. And you're thinking, man, I could, I, I could make YouTube videos like, well, I could do that. Like, how does a, you know, you see a 23-year-old write a best-selling novel, and you think, well, why can't I do that? And we kind of can feel pretty awful sometimes when we don't feel like we've got it all figured out in time. But the other thing about calling is that God's calling on your life is patient work. God is not a microwave God. Okay? He's not making hot pockets here where he's just throwing you in the microwave and zapping you. And, all right, there you go. He's interested in deep life transformation character formation. Sometimes God may have something in mind for you when you're 62, and he knows all the stops along the way that you're going to need first. You know, in some sense, God was probably preparing Abraham and Sarah to be the kind of people that they needed to be before they had Isaac, or getting them into the right place at the right time. You know, a few years ago, I worked at Ozark Christian College in the online learning department, And so, you know, people getting online bachelor's degrees. And oftentimes, we would have students that I would work with who were, you know, middle-aged adults. 
And they were coming to us because they had felt a call to ministry late in life. And they're coming back to college. You know, some of them, they've had careers for 15 years, 20 years. You know, they've been in insurance. They've been in real estate. They're a retired army vet. You know, they've done all kinds of things. They're like, God called me last week to go into ministry. And so I need Bible training. And so you guys, you guys do Bible training. I'm here to get that. And so, you know, you work with all the challenges that they haven't been to college in a while. They need help, like, relearning how to write papers and all kinds of things. And you, you kind of wonder, well, did God mess up? Like, why didn't he call them when they were 18 to go straight to Bible college like other people? No, God didn't mess up. For some, God knew this, this is the right time. And God, God doesn't waste anything. He uses all of their experience. And maybe God knew, all right, this is the season. This is the time when I need you to go into this ministry field. And so I, I got to see people all, all the time like that. Because God's work is patient. Just be patient. Just trust him. It's going to be okay. It may take a while. Probably take a lot longer than you want it to. But it'll be great. It'll be worth it. And I, want, I just want to take you back a little bit to how, how Abraham's story begins in chapter 12, where God tells Abraham, I'm going to emphasize some words here. He says, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your people. And I want you to leave your father's land and go to this land I've show, I will show you that you've never, ever seen before. And apparently the fly thinks my face is that. All right. Because here's what's so tough about that is Abraham, he knows his land. He knows his people. He knows his family. That, those are the streets he grew up in. Those are the streets him and his buddies in middle school and high school rode bikes around. That's the field they would play, you know, baseball in together in the summer. That's the swimming pool they would go to. That's the ice cream machine they would visit. That's the movie theater they would go to on Friday nights. And he's saying, hey, Abraham, you're going to leave all of that and you're going to go to something you do not know you do not understand. You're going to go from what you know and what is familiar and comfortable to what is unfamiliar. And sometimes following God's call might mean you're going to move from your dream to God's dream. Or you're going to have to leave your family for God's family. Or you're going to have to leave what you know and you understand how to do for something that you don't quite understand yet. Now, most of you know that I'm, I'm from Dodge City, Kansas. Now, that is roughly a 14-hour drive from here. So, yeah, Thanksgiving, can't do that. Christmas, you know, it, it, takes, it takes a while, right? And hopefully there's not a bad snow or ice storm. But here's, here's what I've learned. Because when I was, you know, when I was in high school, I felt a call to ministry. So I moved six hours east to Missouri to go to college. And then I moved like another, what is that, eight, nine hours to Louisville. And then I moved down here. And here's what I can, I can tell you about that. Is it's really uncomfortable and difficult to follow God? Because, you know, like, like some of you, your family's all here. Your friends from high school are still around here. So you still hang out or you're able to, you know, get together for family lunches after church or, you know, you've got a lot of flexibility, right? If I want to see my family, it's, okay, we got a, we got a plan, we got a schedule, when, when, how, when can we all get together, how do we make it work, you know, you know. But here's what I can tell you. I can tell you it's hard, it's stressful, there's times I've been anxious, there's times I've been sad. But I can also testify to you that it is so worth it. Because God knows exactly what he's doing. 
And it's my relationship with God that helps me be where I am. And so, sometimes God's call, it's really uncomfortable because you've got to leave what you know for what you don't know. And it can be so challenging. But he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's up to. And you know what? Abraham wasn't the only one who had to leave his country. You know, Jesus left his country too. His country was heaven. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 2, Paul writes about Jesus. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Abraham was called to leave his home, his land, the the people he knew, his best friends, for a place he didn't know anything about. And Jesus, for a little while, he left heaven, and he kind of sort of gave up a little bit of what it meant to be completely perfect and be completely in relationship with his father. And he came down here and he became just like us. He became a human. And he was tempted like us. He suffered like us. And in some ways, beyond anything we've ever experienced. And because of that, Paul goes on then to say, well, because because Jesus was obedient to God, even obedient all the way to death on a cross, God has then exalted him and given him the highest place above every name so that everyone will bow down and worship him. And God's calling to Abraham and to Sarah, difficult. They didn't get it all right. But God used them as a key part of his plan to create, to have Isaac And then Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became the tribes of Israel. And then Jesus was born as an Israelite. And then God, through Jesus, is the blessing to the nations. The one man who can save every tribe, every language, every nation is Jesus. And so God used Abraham and Sarah in that plan, and God's using us in that plan. We're an extension of that plan. And sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it will be uncomfortable. Sometimes you'll be like, what? You'll, you'll have moments where you go, what on earth are we doing? But then every once in a while, I hope God gives you these moments where you just kind of get to take a step back and you just kind of get to see what God has done, how he's used you, where he's taken you. And maybe every once in a while you get to look, just take a step back and go, wow. Couldn't plan it better myself. Or you might just go, wow, how is it that God is letting me do this? Like, how does he trust me that much? And you'll be amazed because God loves to let us be a part of his plan. He loves to use us. And of course, God's ultimate call to all of us is to follow Jesus and to trust him as our Lord and Savior. And then through that, that ultimate call, he will give us a specific call, something that he wants us to do, a way that he wants us to use the gifts he's given us and the experience of life that he has allowed us to have. 
and he'll call us to specific things and specific opportunities. But in order to receive that calling, you're going to have to be ready for whenever God is willing to reveal it. That means you're going to have to keep your relationship with God strong. You have to spend time with him, listen to his voice, so that when he speaks, you won't be surprised. You won't wonder, like, was that just a weird dream? I know what it was. I should, have, I should not have gone to Taco Bell. I really shouldn't have done that. Instead, you'll be like, well, I talk to God every day. That's him. I know exactly what I got to do. And you'll be able to do it. And so through our relationship with God, he will tell us what to do when it's the right time. It's not all on us. The weight is not on our shoulders to come up with a plan to change the world. It's his plan. We just, we just need to follow the directions. Let's pray. Dear Father, I am so thankful for your gift and your grace in the way that you call each and every one of us to follow you. I'm so thankful, God, that you choose to include us in your plan. And so sometimes you give us specific things to do, a specific calling, a specific way to serve and use our gifts inside of your plan. And I'm so thankful, God, that even when we know that we mess it up and we make huge mistakes or we just don't trust you quite enough or believe you all the way, you are still faithful and you still want us to help. And so, Father, I'm so thankful that you, through the death of your son on the cross and his resurrection, have saved us and called us into something so much bigger than we could ever understand or imagine on our own. And I'm so thankful you give us your presence through the Holy Spirit to give us gifts and wisdom and insight and the ability to help in your plan. So, Father, please help us in those moments when we are seeking after you. Help us to to hear you when you're speaking. Help us to see the way that you are moving. Help to remove the distractions in our lives that prevent us from understanding what you're up to. And God, give us the confidence and the courage and the faith so that when you say go, we will go. In your son's name I pray, amen. Well, if you're here today and you've never decided to follow Jesus, today can be that day. Maybe today is the day you're hearing him say, come follow me. And you want to respond to that. So if that's you, I'm going to be down here on the front row. And you, during this next song, feel free to come down and talk with me about what that would look like to follow Jesus. So let's stand and continue to worship.